0: Well, good morning on this Thursday in our third week of Lent. We encounter again, beautifully so, our first reading from Jeremiah. Let's remind ourselves about this individual. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. His, his long discourse is the longest of the great prophets, actually, 52 chapters as it's now articulated. And he is in ministry in the two decades prior to, actually four decades prior to the arrival of the Babylonian assaults that come upon Judah, where he is living and and where he grew up. He's a contemporary of Habakkuk and Baruch, and he's trying so earnestly to convince the people that this dark storm is coming, that in abandoning the ways of God and the ways of their faith, they are going to be held to account. And so he tries so desperately to bring them into acknowledgement of that, and his his, his work, his beautiful work, is so beautiful in trying to articulate that need and the necessity of being in humility and returning to God. And he, he gives them that message today that they are going to be held to account. And he says that as we heard, This is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. You will walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. Boy, if we apply that to our contemporary moment, there's some observations we can make from that. Many would argue today we live in a post-Christian world. We live in a pagan society, and there's lots of evidence you can find to support that that view. I think that's a a reasonable view to consider. I happened upon... uh, a news story not long ago that introduced, in the effort to uh, broaden teaching within some classrooms, I happened upon a story that said that there's a, an intentionality in the curriculum now to introduce some ancestral chants to pagan faiths that the children would then chant together, and it, it acknowledges a pagan god of a different culture, but it, it's an experience and it, an idea to expand a multicultural experience in the classroom. It seems innocent. It seems, seems reasonable to try to expand our multicultural embrace. The challenge is the young ones are learning a chant to a pagan god. <laughs> and they're not speaking about the reality of one god, and most especially, as we know as Catholics and Christians, a triune god. It's a denial of that and an acknowledgement through this, what seems to be an innocent chant of a, of a non-god, a pagan, a pagan god. And so we live in the same days as Jeremiah. We, we, we are called in to live authentically in our faith to do that in humility, to do that with compassion. And we can then pivot from Jeremiah's teaching and look at our Gospel read from Luke today where uh, there's discourse and discord within the elites of Jerusalem, the Pharisees in this case, who are arguing about uh, God's power and, and who believes what. And his message to us is we need to be united in our faith. We need to be united, not divided. We sometimes can get ourselves focused on what could arguably pecune issues. We Catholics are pretty good at that, right? We, we sometimes find ourselves very invested in a particular pe- petition or, or issue that's, in truth, a very small matter, and yet, the world around us is crumbling because we Catholics are not united in the more important topics of our faith and teachings of our faith. The dogma that we adhere to, we seem to not be focused on that, we're more focused on those pecune, pecune issues. Years and years ago, developing as a young manager in a corporate setting, I was often told that people will rise to their faculty. does that mean? People will rise to their faculty. Well, they'll rise to the level of the issue that they're capable of addressing. They'll rise to the level of the issue that they're capable of addressing. So if a person's very invested in a pecune issue, that's the limit of their faculty, probably. They're not able to engage in the top, bigger order issues that affect us as a society. So we have to be sensitive and respectful of that. Be sensitive and respectful of that. When when there's discord within a church or Christian community about issues that don't seem to be dogmatic, we have to understand and appreciate, well, why is that? What is the issue that needs to be addressed? And how can we, as people of faith, find common ground on the dogmatic issues and be less invested in those things on the periphery? Our Lord says that. He who is not with me is against me, and he he who does not gather with me scatters. So our goal ought to be unity The pagan world can rightly rightly so look at the Christian world today and read about or observe some of the infighting that occurs in Christianity and critique it and say, well, if you're really followers of Christ, how is it that there's discord? That's a fair question. That's a legitimate critique, I think. It's a legitimate critique. So let's examine ourselves ask ourselves as a people of faith how is it that we can walk in unity what are those pecuniary issues that i have are they more periphery or are they central are they core and is it possible for me particularly in the month in the season of lent rather is it possible for me to surrender my own particular focal point and stand back and look more broadly at the mission and role of the church how do i support the broader mission and be less invested in advancing my own particular cause how do i advance the broader mission Rather than my particular cause. We all have an opportunity, perhaps, to look at that. God bless.